Welcome back, dear listeners, to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod, and joining me, I am super excited. Very special guest this week. He is the man, the myth, the legend himself, Troy Catman West, the most recognizable supporter, not just of Geelong, but arguably in the entire AFL. I'm so excited and honored to have him on. Mate, thank you very much for joining. How have you been? Well, after that intro, I'm feeling pretty good now. How can I match that one? <laughs> I'm going to be the Cullsville character here. I think it's you, Mr. <laughs> um, I'm well, thank you. Good to hear. Good to hear that you're doing well. Now, just before we get into talking about talking about your journey and talking about um, your relationship with football and, and before we preview prelims and all that, what about you introduce yourself? Because, you know, there might be some people who are living under a rock and don't know who you are. So why don't you introduce yourself? Oh, well, hi, I'm Troy Catman West. Um, I'm one of the most recognisable fans in the AFL, probably the most these days. And I'm back for the Geelong Football Club, have been dressing up for on and off for 30 years and just got more and more intense. And I love my football and my dad played for Geelong. So that's where my passion came from. And if you Google me, you'll see I'm also slightly controversial figure. Um, yeah, it's covering covering quite a few topics in on the internet. But um, I'm back now and yeah, happier than ever to be part of the Geelong Football Club. I wanted to ask you, 2007, obviously Geelong had gone through a 44-year drought, 2007, very big year for the club. I want to ask you, for someone who the Cats have such a, a, a big part of your life and such a deep personal meaning to you, what was that like? Grand final day 2007, breaking that drought and the way that the Cats did it. I mean, 119 points. Yeah, I know. It was um, the most emotion I felt was um, a surreal relief it was um yeah like a monkey off her back and it was very surreal like it, it wasn't like it you know it was gutsy and beautiful and fantastic like it was amazing like drought breaking but it was a, that that breaking that drought feeling is it's just like nothing before you know because we never experienced it you know 44 years old was um not alive no I was alive I was no it wasn't alive I was two years from being born so I had no um history of any grand finals so it was just to break that drought was just the most beautiful surreal feeling and just was put you on a cloud it's hard to explain it was yeah, surreal is the best word it was just unbelievable it's watching grown men cry you know all the stuff all, all on the boundary it was just the most emotional time yeah it was beautiful so surreal would be my word my feeling I want to ask I want to ask what was what was your dad's what was your dad's reaction to 2007 because obviously he played in 63 and then went through that 44-year drought and all those close calls in the 80s and the 90s. What was it like for him? Yeah, well, Dad was, at the time, he was out on the um, out in the tractor in the paddock down up at where he lives on his property, but um, he came inside and he was, um, he was really happy for them. He really was. He was just said, you know, it's about time because Dad, Dad played in the last premiership, of course, and he said, um, now we don't, what do you say, now we don't have the um, that honour anymore bestowed upon us. It's now been taken from us because they enjoyed, they enjoyed the years of being the, the last premiership team, he said, we've lost that now. He goes, not that's the bad thing, of course, he said, but it's just an unusual feeling because we've always been in the last premiership. He said, it's the last 44 years, you know, he goes, but he's re- he was really happy too. Yeah, they all were. How could you not be? Obviously, that followed was followed by success in 09 and 2011. What was the premiership that meant the most to you in that stretch? Um, well, 2009, we sort of wobbled over the line. Um, St Kilda, the 
were the big favourites all year, and they just had their they had our measure just a tiny bit, and so we we really snatched it from from them. I felt a bit bad in a way because I haven't had one, they've only had one one in nineteen sixty six in the whole whole history. So I kind of wished it was another team because I felt sorry for them, and um, that didn't fit. it felt great. Of course, it did. Stupid question, but it didn't feel as wholesome as twenty eleven because you know it, like you don't give a stuff about Collingwood and beating them. It's heaven. So, um, and as I've spoken to you before, it was a very traumatic year for me personally. So I had to um, compartmentalise losing my dad, you know, dying along, dad was dying as Geelong were doing superb. So I had to, you know, switch off my personal life and go to the football and switch that on. And so it was a bit of a switching light. So I turn my emotions on off like a switch sometimes, like I have to in that situation. So to, to get along. So, and then dad died eight weeks after the grand final. So it was, a, that was also surreal because it was bitter and sweet and, beauty and misery it was every polar opposite emotion swinging in my head all year but it's also got a you know I, I look like on a beauty of it I don't know more I look back it's a terrible time but at least they won eight weeks after you know before dad died so he had a bit of a little bit of joy but he was not that he's into footy he was too sick at the moment at that time but I'm just glad they won the year he died yeah well, I'm um, I'm I'm curious. You you talked about how you know the emotions around 2011. Um, what did it? I guess you touched upon it, but I'll ask a question anyways. What did it mean for you that your dad got to you know that 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 they won another premiership before just before your dad died, as opposed to what what it would have been like had had they won it after he passed away. Yeah, well, Dad, as I said, he was eight weeks. He died in November and they won the flag, of course, eight weeks before. So um, because it was such a shitty, terrible time and I thought it could give him a little bit of, you know, some, a little bit of something nice in his life to, to see the cats, but he, he was too unwell to even enjoy it. So um, that was, that got me through actually, you know, like the football actually got me through the misery of, you know, of Dad, you know, it was a terrible time and I was just thinking about it the whole time the footy actually helped me get through it you know so it's been what do you my savior in a lot of ways a lot of ways. when we talked earlier because this is this is not the first time that the you and i we've had this we've had this conversation about your relationship with football um you talked about um how it wasn't just in relationship to your dad and your dad's passing that that football really helped a lot um Kind of take 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 me back to the the nineties, um, and why football in that sense? What was happening in your around that in your personal life? Why did football play such an important role for you back then? All right. So back in um, eighty four, um, boy George. I know it sounds crazy. We're talking footy, but he he launched himself onto the scene and. I've always liked Adam, Adam and the Ants. Always someone a bit different. Before him, it was Adam and the Ants, and it was um, I was Abba in the eighties, but they weren't different. But seventies, sorry. And then, um, so I got about eighty four. Got into the. I thought I want to, you know, get into this nightclub scene. So I had a new interest. So I wanted to be, you know, in the Boy George world. So footy, I just walked away from it. I didn't even plan. I just quickly got into it. And then by end of eighty three, eighty four, I was gone. I had a footy from. And then I got a, went off the rails and um, made some stupid decisions, as you do when you're young. Some of us live to tell the story, some don't, but I did, fortunately. And um, 
got into drugs and being making stupid decisions and didn't become an addict. I was just a party user, but I still used heavily and um, not very nice manner of taking drugs. But um, anyway, so I had a bit of a um, breakdown. I think that was 90. No, I was actually sorry to tell a lie. So I had one friend um, I knew that still liked footy and mm. he said, we should, it was 1990. He goes, we should go to a footy match, boy. And Gret, and I thought, oh, why not? So I went again and I thought, oh, I really like this. I really like this. But I was so far into, you know, messed up drug life. So I'd, um, yeah, taken some drugs and nearly crashed my car and went to the football and um, was very stupid. And then I had a nervous breakdown and came crashing down from it all. Uh, just bad, bad living and anxiety, depression nearly took my life. Mm. Uh, my friend was walking past my bedroom. He heard me up to something and was making calls to take my life. And um, he said, right, that's it. So he took me back to my parents in Geelong and dumped me, just started dumping me at home and said, they took me to the doctor the next day. So it was a recovery. So I had to learn how to live again, I had to learn how to walk to the letterbox without an anxiety attack and I had to work walk to the down the street it was i had to re re um introduce myself to, to living in society which is a really weird feeling considering i'm very out there so i did that then my friend took me to a football match another one and he met these this girl called debbie a lovely friend of mine and her sister and her friends and she um uh, took me under a wing and i just felt fell in love with footy again and never looked back then so that was in the year 1990 two-ish, three started and then stayed with them ever since and then I joined the cheese squad later on. So, yeah, that gave me purpose in life too. So many ways footy has actually saved me again, you know, from my dad and also back in the 90s. So it's been a little bit of a friend to me. Mm. Good friend. Mm. So what was the process like joining joining the cheese squad? Was it just a process of like just saying, hey, I want to join, um, you know, Geelong means so much to me. Dad used to play for them. Dad won premiership in 63. Um, or what did you have to go through? Because uh, I've I've never been I've never been part of a cheer squad for for, for anything, let alone for a football match. Um, and I'm always curious to whenever I see all the really fanatical fans in there, how, you know, what what was the process like joining? Well, you just walk up, just join, walk up and ask you to take back then it used to be like five dollars or something and just join with you and sit with them. It was a very simple process. So Steve is still now you get a membership. But some just yeah, anyone can join. It's could be you have to be a member of the club, of course. Okay. A paid member of the football club to be part of a cheer squad. But um yeah, you just and I I was joining cheer squads, I always liked the colourful, the big back in the eighties and seventies I have to have huge had massive floggers, big fat floggers over the fence and they mm. had flags that Always loved how they looked. They used to throw lots of streams and paper and made a huge mess of snowing. They called it snowing back then. You used to cut up, um, cut up, uh, tear up uh, phone books, old phone books. You go raid all the bloody um, phone boxes in the streets and you'd rip them up and go to the footy and throw paper. So we did all that. And I was just drawn to the goal area. Always loved the goals, the goal square where the action is. And I joined in 1979 and 80, 81, 82, 83. And that's what I told you when I left and then rejoined later on again after I got back on the track. So I just love the colour and the glitz and the action behind the goals. I've always loved the goal area. Speaking of the colour and the glitz, your Catman persona, I've, I've got to say you are probably the most recognisable football fan that, that I can think of, you know, going, going to the football across probably all 18 teams. Um, and I want to ask you, 
the whole process from what I remember from our conversation previously started from purchasing a pair of platforms in St Kilda in the 80s and I want to ask you what was that kind of whole process that progression from buying those platforms to what we see now which is all these different wonderful outfits and combinations of, of Geelong outfits and, and you go full out so you go like the fangs you go the claws you go absolutely everything and I want to ask you what how did we how did you go from those platforms to Catman? Well the platforms um now they cost hundreds of dollars but they back in 1987 they were that's only seven years they're just in an op shop which is you cannot find platforms in op shops now in a million years so they're just in an op shop the black and red they were and I'm in St Kilda in Barclay Street and I bought them just to wear to a nightclub of course because that was back in 87 no, 88 I think it was sorry and um I just wore them a couple of times and just stayed in my cupboard and then I started going to football and I thought I thought, um, I just want to, I want to be a, you know, I don't want to just be anyone in the crowd still because I, at the nightclubs then I was an extremely um, vibrant peacock looking person too in a different way. But I thought, how can I bring this morph this into a, into look? So I had the platform, so I painted them. This is the 1994 it was by then, grand final. I went to 92, but I wasn't dressed up. So 94 was my first, um, I wore the platforms and a stupid, clan wig and didn't do a very good job but um and then I saw because back in the 80s boy George had this jacket with wall pins all over it and I really liked it so I made a Geelong version of that so I had that was my original jacket with pins and I got a patch of dad's off a blazer he had he had a, a, a play, blazer when he went to America mm. um, they back then teams went and did an exhibition match overseas to promote our in America promote our game so Geelong and Melbourne played they had a, a blazer and I unpicked the blazer um, emblem and I put it onto a denim vest and that's how that started so I it just grew and it grew and it grew till I had it totally full and I thought what now so I put sleeves on it and then I was up to my neck and I thought I don't want to start wearing all that makeup again because I've been doing that in the 80s before George I thought I just want to I'll keep my head free and then it started didn't it so doing a bit of eyes and a bit blue white eyebrow makeup and then it started and I kept going and I thought what can I do now? So I get, and, and, and with the boy George era, he changed his outfits every week and every day. He was known for it. And that's what I am too. I don't like getting stuck in the same look. So that's why you see me in lots of different um, looks each, each week. I don't like to do the same, same thing. So I've got about 20 different outfits and I'm mix them up a bit. And I donated that original jacket to the Australian sports museum a couple of months ago. So they've now got on a stand in there and, pride of place in there so that's really special to me so I've made it into the museum I'm now in a museum piece wow <laughs> and um so yeah I just I'm now I've now got fangs I've got contact lenses I've got everything I cannot do anymore now so I'm, I'm full to the brim <laughs> so just so, yeah so sorry so it just evolved it wasn't I'm going to plan to be this crazy fang thing it just evolved I thought I just want to wear a you know a few different some platform shoes and look a bit different for a bit of a laugh, but I did not plan to be a super fan at, at, like today. It wasn't that at all. It was just a total morphing as the weeks went along. So, yeah. I want to, so just thinking, right, over over the years, because you've been doing this Catman persona for a long, long, long time. That must have been, what, 
like hundreds of combinations, would you say, of, of, of looks and iterations? Say that again. Sorry, I missed the first bit of your question. Would, would you say that there's been, what, about 100 different combinations of, of looks that you've had over the oh, years? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah I, I changed my makeup nearly. It's always got something different about it, but I've done a couple of similar ones, but, yeah, hundreds, easily mm. hundreds. My outfits can't be. I do mix and match them a lot, but I get to have about 30 different outfits and looks, but um, I wouldn't know how to add that up. But the face makeup, yeah, like hundreds, yeah, very, very many. Often similar-ish, but there's always something, a bit of a twist that's different. So I want to ask you, is there a, a, a look that you've had, one look that's like your favourite above all the rest? that stands out to you as like particularly meaningful or do you have like a, a certain selection of outfits in your memory that are like, yeah, no, that, that means a lot to me. Yeah. I have, have got a couple of looks. So the, the ones with the white contact lenses, I like those. I look very spooky, like really spooky weird cat. And I like the weird cat looking, looking one. So um, I wear white contacts and um, one time I wore a blind contact and the blind one's actually, that's like having a, a white uh, flow eye screen in your eye and a torch on it and it's impossible to watch a game so I the bottom line is I'm there to watch a bloody game so I can't wear you know horror contact meshes and can't see the game so I had to stop the, the blind eyes so but I like the blind eye look too it's a very effective look but it's, it's a bit too scary and I do have to remember I've got lots of kids that love photos too and they do like the that weird look but I have I make a few kids cry and they run away from me but I do love that spooky looking cat sort of look, yeah, and I love it too. So here's a couple of my favourite looks. The long white dreadlocks, you know, the white dreadlocks with the blue bits through them, that's my favourite look, and yeah. So recently, um, and I mean I mean recently, I think it was last year, you stepped away from, from footy for a little yeah. bit. Um, and I wanna I wanna ask you in in your own words came back recently what has it been like for you to to come back into football again well it was a I had a bit of a hiatus because of COVID and because of a few issues um yeah with certain people members and um politics and stuff and um being targeted as well which is you know just like more used to that in life getting targeted when you're different or when you stand out when you're popular when you're well known you get a lot of heat and that's okay too but it just just all, all accumulated at one time a lot of personal political stuff going on um, amongst my own lot and then there was um a lot of outside hatred a lot of death threats no not a lot of death threats a few death threats um certainly abuse of violence towards me and it normally doesn't bother me but i was just it all accumulated as like a perfect storm i was just feeling a bit lost the covid thing um and then um the abuse and when we lost the one of the grand final, I think 20, I'm just getting all this abuse and I just, oh, I've had, had a gut full, you know, why do I dressing up like a cat cause people so much angst, you know, and they get so angry and I get so much free rent in their head and I don't know why they target me. I'm just wearing makeup. I'm not trying to change anyone, not trying to force my opinion to anyone, throat, political, social, sexual, whatever. I'm just me being a stupid, crazy cat fan and they just take an umbrage to it and it all came... And that's why I do do it for attention. I don't, and, and with attention, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, you know, because a lot of people don't realise what, what, what it is. It's, it's quite an um, insatiable beast. It can be very um, good for you. And I get a lot of fantastic people and experiences and interviews and 
media stuff and fun stuff and friends and fans, but there's also that negative side of people that hate and you can't pick and choose your attention. You know, you, you get great and bad and you'll always get that. So I understood stand that now. And I started to think um, I did walk away because I got angry and annoyed at, you know, everything. And I thought, this is my, you know, my life, my passion. I, I don't need to give up this yet. I'll do it when I'm ready, you know, instead of outside forces forcing me to give up. I, I do, I live life my way. I always have done my things my way. And that's what makes me the person I am today. And letting other people decide when I give up is not an option. And that's why I thought I'm coming back and I'll do it when I'm ready. And if, even if it's a year's time and I give up, at least I'll do it when I'm ready, not when other people tell me or force me or try and force me or make me, you know, be hate or be hateful towards me, make me start doubting myself. Mm. Yeah. Which well, to. good on you. Good on you for, um, for, for, for that mindset. I can imagine it, it, it's liberating to have that mindset. Um, I want to mm. ask you your first game back as Catman was very recently Geelong versus Collingwood in that amazing qualifying final. Um, but you mentioned on social media that um, unfortunately you faced some um, some abuse at the game, and I want to I want to ask you how how disappointing was it that 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 kind of thing is still happening in twenty twenty two? Yeah, no, it's interesting. I started to think like people people are funny with prejudice. They select what prejudice they're outraged by, like. Collingwood fool was, um, I should just call him a fool because there's a lot of good Collingwood people. He's just a fool and a Collingwood jumper, unfortunately. But um, I was sitting there with my friend and he was running up and down the aisle. He's obviously got dead by his mates because they're up the back drinking with him. They must have seen me coming in and out or something because I was in a bay. And um, anyway, so he was running up and down the aisle, calling out, and it was a really quiet moment of the game. And two entire bays were watching and listening. He'd going, where's effing Catman? Where's Catman? And he was doing this sexually suggestive motion you could probably work out with your hand to your mouth. Where's Catman? Where's Catman? I, was, I just wanted to grab. Look, I wasn't embarrassed because he was the one being the knob, not me. But what I was getting, I was a bit, felt awkward because I thought everyone else was thinking I'd be embarrassed. And I sort of wasn't. I was thought he was a moron, not me, but I was embarrassed that people were thinking I would be embarrassed. And I just wanted the ground to open up and swallow me to say, take him away. So I thought best thing to call him over and say, okay, because he couldn't see me. I'm standing out like a, you know, dog's balls and he couldn't see me. And I said, I'm here, you idiot, like that. And I thought, just get over and done with. And he leans in and he starts going, oh, I'm making these stupid groaning noises, really loud. And there's kids like of all ages everywhere. And fortunately, that six people stood up for me and said, you're disgusting, get out of here, you know, you can't, you can't do that. And there's kids everywhere. I mean, this guy had no spatial awareness. He obviously was drunk and just wanting to target me. He had eyes only for me. And I thought, why, why would you do that? You know, why? what makes a person come down from a crowd? I would never target someone like that or pick them out of a crowd. Just to, you know, and like gay people, yeah, we're, we're the low-hanging fruit, aren't we, at the tree? Like they're easy targets, you know, making the old usual stupid gay jokes you know they're easy we're easy targets aren't we you know like there's nothing intelligent about this stupid fool he didn't say anything intelligent didn't have any argument just mm. but it was um like i cringe i thought why do they just do this they need to put up with this in 2022 you know but i'm thinking what i was saying is with prejudice like if he was running down there saying you know terrible things about you know um aboriginals or indigenous people or asian people whatever and screaming it out 
be an absolute outrage. She would have been like two bays would have attacked him, but no one did anything apart from like two people behind me. There's a couple sort of groaning, but one woman stood up to get out here. The whole bay just watched him constantly, continually attack him with his stupid homophobic abuse. And I thought, yeah, interesting how we pick our prejudice. Mm. It? Mm. So that disappointed me. Actually, the crowd reaction disappointed me as well to not support him in time. Anyway, he got turfed out by the police, so I got my got my own back. But I didn't want to engage. I didn't want to. I just said, I'm here, and I thought, if I get into an altercation, I'm down on his level. I'm better than that. I'm better than him. And I just said, I'm going to let him do it. And then the crowd kicked. I thought, get over and done with. So I didn't say one thing back to him, which I'm glad about because I normally do. <laughs> Let's move to the game itself. What an incredible match to 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 witness. 90,000 people at the MCG, the biggest crowd in Australia um, for a footy match, the biggest crowd at the MCG since the 2019 grand final and what a game it was. What was it What was it like to, to, to be there? Because it was amazing to watch the highlights back a bit. I didn't watch it live at the time, but what, like, it must have been amazing to be there. Yeah, it took me back to the um, 2007, I think, prelim when we beat Collingwood by five points. And it was, um, oh, look, people bag Collingwood. Yeah, I do probably do too. But, like, who wouldn't want, uh, if you're showcasing Australian rules football, oh, we had two friends from Holland staying with us and um, they didn't know they were coming to a footy world, you know, and we took them to the, um, they went and had a look at the game and I thought, watched it and I thought, what a better game to showcase two Dutch men um, to, to our beautiful game. It was just knife-edge electric atmosphere. And guess, and Collingwood bring it, they do bring it. Same with Richmond, whether you love them or hate them, they bring a real knife-edge electric atmosphere to a, to a game. You know, capacity crowds just roaring. And I love the Collingwood roar. People say they hate it, but I just, it brings the best atmosphere. I was just, it was so exciting and even more exciting tenfold when you beat them because they're, they, they're outnumber us, you know, like 10 to bloody one. Mm. And they were just in the next bay, just giving it to us, like in, in collective bays, like just standing up, just giving it to us. And when you get that win, they just quietly walk out. They just usher out quietly. It's very funny to watch. So it was a fantastic, one of the best games I've been to in many years. I want to I wanna ask you a general kind of Geelong Cats question before we dive into the finals actions. I want there's been a, like there's constant talk every single year that Geelong play finals football, which credit to Geelong is every single year. There's always talk about should they host games in Geelong um, for finals football. Um, and I want to ask your opinion about it. You know, being at the MCG with 90,000 people, obviously that wouldn't happen if the game was in Geelong. But with that being said, that home ground advantage that the Cats have is the best home ground advantage in the competition. And you guys did finish top of the ladder, which means, you know, you should get home ground advantage, but I'm curious to get your feedback on it. Yeah, it's a tough, it's a contentious issue with Cats fans. Um, look, my friend in America was telling me, um, he said, look, we're in the baseball co co competition. He goes, Major League, he goes, you play at a home ground, whether it holds 20 or 120. He goes, that is how it is over here. Some grounds are small. They can take 25,000. He goes, you play there and you miss out. He said, it's too bad. That's our home ground. So that theory, but we don't think like that here. We we go for maximum coverage, maximum fan attendance, which I think is probably fair. It's a tricky one. We'll be up to 40,000 next year when our ground's finished. And I think we can, we've got an eight. If you can, if you're really good, you'll win anywhere. You know, this home mm -hmm. ground advantage 
we play all the games at Geelong and we go to the G and we've had no experience there, we lose. I think it's good to play at the G. I think we play like a non-big travelling team like maybe Frio or man, they all travel well anyway. I think like a low, a lowly team in the finals, we possibly could like we did with Frio, but I don't know. A bit, bit, a bit sort of not the same about with other Cats fans. We have a few debates about it, but I probably think leave it as it is at the G because, you know, it's great with the big crowd. Mm. I, I don't want to play Collingwood down there in a final. It's just, nah. And it's not fair. You, know, you, want, you want to get maximum people coming. You want to get the knife-edge atmosphere. And I think the MCG is the finals place. So more wins under your belt there, the better it is on grand final day. I fully agree with you on that front. It, it amuses me when I see how upset some Geelong supporters get about, you know, not being able to play games down in Geelong. Like, the interstate clubs would kill for the opportunity to play finals, home finals. Well, I mean, not home finals, but as many games at the MCG as Geelong do during the season. Um, and as you said, you know, the grand finals played, if you take the last two years aside, grand finals played at the MCG. Might as well get as much practice as possible mm. at, at you know at the ground where where the grand final is going to be held. Um, yeah. Anyways, I don't know. For me, um, it, it for me not a Geelong supporter, so it doesn't affect me as much. But um, have a few, sometimes have some bigger bigger clubs down at Geelong during the home and away, like some occasionally mm. every, once every two years or something. Collingwood or Richmond or whatever should play down there home and away every now and then. But I'm I'm okay with it. I'm not. We get enough home games down at Geelong. We do okay. Let's get into the semifinals. Two amazing games at the MCG. Um, did you watch much of it? No, I didn't, to be honest. I was, I was actually busy, so I can't give a huge amount of insight. So I'm sorry about no, that. That's but, uh, fair enough. Well, the Brisbane, yeah, the Brisbane versus Melbourne, I think that was... Um, I think they said the pressure was the... Highest Brisbane's pressure was the highest it had been all year or something. Mm. So obviously wow. that's what sorry go on. No, I was just gonna say watching that game, you could you could tell. I didn't know that stat about it being the highest all year, but it made a lot of sense watching it. Because I watched yeah. round 15 and round 23 when those two teams played, and Melbourne sliced through them like Brisbane were. Uh, were, were, were a piece of cake yeah. like it was it was embarrassing if I was a Brisbane supporter I would have been really embarrassed because they were soft to play against and to see the difference that two games make from round 23 to the semi-final Brisbane were unbelievable their yep. pressure was outstanding oh, yeah yeah you're right it was it was just it was another I, I actually, um, I'm shocked we're even playing Brisbane. They've sort of snuck up, haven't they? Like I just didn't, mm. um, I didn't think they're given that much credit all year. I just, I thought they were good, you know, good, goodish. I didn't think they were prelim, almost tilting for a grand final berth. I'm, they come out of nowhere. Maybe mm. I wasn't giving them enough, but they're, um, they've been very like a slow burn, and they've been doing bloody well. They're a very high pressure team. Um, the same with Collingwood. You know, where have they come from? Mm. I like Collingwood's, you know, chaos, the way they, they cause chaos. And I like the way they just run around like they just have a mosquito fleet and they just run rings around and cause absolute mayhem, especially in that last quarter. And it's actually lovely to watch them. And they cause confusion and panic. And that's how they work. And it's, it's actually quite lovely to see. You know, except for the fact that they are playing for Collingwood, I do love watching the Collingwood players play football. 
because, <laughs> you know, true. yes, I dislike Collingwood, but I'm a football fan first. And yeah. their level of football is unbelievable. It's, you know, as an Essendon supporter, always draw a comparison to the Mosquito fleet, but they, like, it's 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 incredible, the the black and white waves, you know, it's like a tsunami washing across the ground, how they yeah. transition the ball. Um, absolutely, totally agree. And, and I just, they just go, I just, a word I can teach to see is chaos. They just cause mass chaos and it's really exciting to watch. And you know it's coming, but they, you know what they're going to do. You know they're going to cause chaos. But you know, they don't have a sort of pattern. They just go all over the place. And you're looking around like this and then bang, and the next minute they're in front. And they just go bang, 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 bang. And it's happening every bloody week they play. So I don't know how long it's up because people, you know, they, when you play that sort of footy, you do get found out. Has it, has it been much luck involved as well? I don't it's becoming a bit of a pattern. <laughs> I want Jack, that Jack Crisp, I tell you, is pretty good. Oh, just unbelievable. And they're youngs, they're youngsters, like the day possums. What a yeah. what a football family. Um, oh, absolutely Col- unbelievable. With Frio, Colling- Collingwood, um, they were about in the forward half, about fifty, nearly over fifty-eight percent of the game, or something. So mm-hmm. it's wonder, you know, they they won that one too. So. Yeah, I watched a bit of that, but not um not the whole lot, so I can't comment on that. To be honest, fair enough, fair enough. I was watching Elvis with a friend, so I didn't watch that game either. Um, <laughs> but from what I read, by the way, great movie. If you haven't seen it, Catman recommended. Loved it, seen it. Um, but for me, I think I think Fremantle, by the sounds of it, they were just overawed. You know, they had such an emotion, an emotional victory the week before that. And it could take a lot out of you when you have that a massive come-from-behind win. Um, and while they were amazing for two and a half quarters in that match free mantle, truthfully, I think a lot of people forgot the fact that they conceded the first six goals of the game. Should have conceded more because the dogs were inaccurate. Um, and unfortunately for David Mundy, couldn't do it in the end. No. As a, as, as a Swans fan, would have loved to see... You know, if Sydney hadn't won, it would have loved Fremantle to win it for David. But um, an unbelievable career, and we should yeah. all best, obviously, going yeah. forward. Melbourne, selfish football, selfish footy, been their problem ever since round 10. Uh, don't pass when no. their teammates are open. Um, for some reason, when their teammates, and it happened multiple times, when their teammates are having shots on goal in really easy positions, they call for it deep in the pocket or up against the boundary line. I'm like, why? Why would you do that? It makes no sense to me. Just let your teammate have the blooming shot. Yep, absolutely. You did right there. And that that and that, that affected them mid-season. They had a real slump. They had a terrible arm. Mm. They just went, fell on the heat. And we played them down at home when they are in, in the middle of that sort of bad patch they were going. But they just, they just lost their arm. Um, and I said all year, I said, just... I don't think Melbourne go back to back. I don't see them as a back to back team. I think they're very good to win last year, but I, I just don't know. They haven't got what it is on. Is Tom McDonald back in the side? Or he's still injured. I think he, from memory, is still injured, so he'll oh, be back yeah. next year. And he's a massive loss too. He's yeah. a massive. Oh so yeah, they got they got problems, you know. So um, yeah, I don't. Maybe they'll regroup next year. I don't know. But as you said, very very selfish. Very um. Undisciplined. There's no no flowing. There's no no teamwork. It's, you're right. You did right. Now so let's get on to. to I still love Petrarca. <laughs> oh, Petrarca. Petrarca is, I think, one of the best midfielders in the competition. Yeah, um, love him. 
to play Friday night with a broken leg. Oh. Just so brave. So great. Incredible. Um, let's get on to the prelims. And it starts with your cats versus the lions uh, at the MCG. Now played twice in prelims before, 2004, Brisbane beating Geelong at the MCG. That was a mm-hmm. weird game because it was Brisbane's home uh, home match, but that was at yeah. the MCG. Um, and then 2020, obviously, you guys got the, got the jump on them. And yeah. I want to ask you, if Geelong were to win, what do you think is like the most important thing for Geelong in this game? What's going to be the key to success? Well, to be grim, well, we need we do need our big boys uh, firing up forward, and I think if you we've got Tom, we got Tom Stewart. You got him in the back line. He, he's got a forward, but he's got bloody um, he's got that three pronged forward line to bloody contend with, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's we're going to be up against it as long as we keep it out of our pack line, which is not easy, but. As much as we can, um, we might hold them off, but it's just yeah, they got who's it hit board down here and uh, Rainer McStay or something. Um, mm. Tools, yeah. So and Danaher's back in, isn't he? So mm. he's a worry. He's, he's notoriously inaccurate with Essendon, but he's been been quite bloody good with Brisbane, hasn't he? He was shocking. Oh, with yeah, him, oh, don't don't even get me started on that. Honestly, yeah. and he full look. I'm glad he's doing well, but when he kicked that winning goal against Richmond, not gonna lie, fit of me did die slightly inside. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just unbelievable. I I agree with you. I think Hawkins and Cameron, if they can fire in this game, um, Geelong's gonna be borderline impossible to stop. But what I yeah. really liked in that win against Collingwood was that it was Gary Rowan. Stepping up. Oh, no. And he's had a bad name for finals going A-ball too. And Cameron's also known for, um, got a bit of a name for not appearing in the big games either, but he he, he stepped up. So mm. they need to be all on, as, as you just said, yeah, totally on, switched on. They can't have any lapses. They've got to, they've got to share. And what I like about Geelong, people have been hanging on us because you know, we're an old team, we're all grandpas, but people have been missing. We've got a very young and exciting, we're not that old actually, we've only got a handful but the older players are teaching the rookies and they're gelling just beautifully and working together. It's magic to what people have not seen that. They're too busy going on about our, you know, older stars, but they're working so beautifully together. And that's what they're just consistently fantastic and, and just gelling and learning off each other. It's, it's wonderful to watch this year. And I hope they, and this is Geelong's final to lose, you know, the grand final, the whole this year. Mm. That it should be ours. If we don't get it, it's ours to lose, not ours to win, if you get me drift. Mm. Absolutely. Because um, I'm a Swan supporter, not 100% certain if I agree with you on that. But no, no, no. Look, I want to agree. <laughs> you, you, you are right. It's been, it's been an incredible season for Geelong. And um, look, a, a, a decade of finals futility is probably the best way to put it since winning the flag in 2011 um, in terms of how little success you guys have had for as many finals as you've been in, yep. this is almost make or break for Geelong, I think. Um, yep. We'll touch upon Brisbane for the sake of being fair. What do you think the Lions need to do if they were to 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 win? Well, they've got to, as I said, they've got to have their, they've got to shut down our backline. We've got a very strong backline, so if they have their, that three pronged tall forward, because they've got three pronged tall forwards, and and they fire, we're in a bloody bit of trouble too. So. Let's go the other end of the ground. I don't, I don't know. Um, it's a hard one to work out. I haven't really looked at the stats, to be honest, yet. But um, I just think 
don't know. Mm. I don't know. It's just actually very nervous about the game. I've been trying not to look at any any stats, any details. I'm so nervous. And fair enough. Huh? Fair enough. Yeah, I just I just I'm scared. I'm scared of Hitwood and bloody Danaher, to be honest. I, mm. I, I, he couldn't come in at a worse time. But anyway, Tom Stewart's bloody brilliant. But you know, you can't match talls, can you? Three big talls. No. So I just um, hope our boys um, get down the back and help him. And they should, but yeah, I don't know. I haven't been trying to think about the stats. It's too scary. <laughs> I'm so nervous. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll save you from having to talk about Brisbane too much. And Geelong, um, Geelong, Geelong have got the best um, winning like one-on-one defensive contest as well. We're, we're top in, the, um, in that as well. Yeah. So a defensive contest are good. So I, I, I don't know. We should be able to hold them off as well, surging. Well, you know, it's interesting. For me, the key is Brisbane, the last two times, well, two out of the last three times they've played you guys, you guys have won. And you've won off the back of a really strong opening half, mm. building a really solid lead at halftime. And then Brisbane come back with a late flurry only to fall just short. Yeah. Brisbane did that last week against Melbourne. And it worked not to take nothing away from Brisbane, but it worked because of how poorly Melbourne played. I don't think Geelong's going to let... Uh, the game slip if they build another comfortable lead at halftime. So for me, Brisbane, the key to success, showing up at the first bounce with the yeah. same intensity that they're going to finish the game with. Yeah, 100%. They reckon, they reckon the first um, 10 minutes of a game, you can tell what if a team's on or not. You know, you can sort of see whether they're on. Um, teams do come back, but you can just, yeah, they can get rattled and um, stuff. So as you're right, you've got to be straight off the blocks and you can't, with, with against Geelong, because we'll, we'll get you and you've got to get ahead and you've got to get ahead and stay ahead and not get nervous. And that's the battle for Brisbane because we surge. Tip for this game, margin, who wins, why? I think uh, Geelong, obviously. I reckon about 22 points. I think semi-comfortably. And I think, I think um, hopefully Jeremy had a uh, flew early in the week and he's a bit crook, so I hope that's not going to impact on him. Fingers crossed. But um, I got all these messages from people saying, "Oh, at the open training the other night, the other day, he was on the sidelines and sent me photos." I'm going, "Oh no, we need him now. We need him now." So um, yeah, we need our forwards to. We need Tom and and um, Blixars as well, and all of them, and um, Jeremy. They all need to really assist each other, and not, not just I don't know. I get so worried about them because they. They can have an on. They can have a really off night too. You know, can Tom can keep like no goals or one goal or, but he's been pretty okay. So I'm hoping that consistency's there. And Jeremy, I just love watching Jeremy. He just sweeps. He's like a gazelle. Mm. He's a huge of a thing. He's so tall, and he he just runs. He's like Buddy Franklin in a way with his running. He's like because Buddy's really tall. With he's got that gazelle. Just scoop up the ball and just mm. make their foot. So um, and I love Buddy too. That sort of style of kicking. So. I see a little bit of Buddy in Jeremy's style. I don't know why it's just me, but mm. it's fast sweeping up, you know, make, bringing, making a goal out of nothing, and I love it. So, yes, our boys have to be on forwards. I'm big on the forwards and, of course, the centre field when you've got all of them close. Mm. Poor, poor um, Parfit's out, so you got the chop. So, so they've got the same team as um, Collingwood, I think, haven't they, Geelong? So what, I don't know. I think so, yeah. Just looking at yeah. the teams that have been released, I don't think Geelong's made any changes. And that's no, no, that's stick with what you what you know. <laughs> if it's not broke, then don't fix it. Um, yeah, but the 
the Geelong pressure, like I just love their pressure when the, when the chips, this is what I love with Geelong, whenever we've got behind or a team's caught up to us or overrun us, we used to, they used to run over and we'd lose every single time that was our pattern. We'd get a big leap forward and they'd catch up and then we'd, we'd crap ourselves and then lose. But now they go into another gear Geelong and they they snatched the lead back and they've been snatching the lead back and winning in, in, in when it looked lost. It's, that's what I think is more exciting. That's what's different about us too this year. Mm. That's, when teams run over us, we, we, we get into another gear and um, fight back. Mm. Like, you know, it happens every time. It's been happening all year. It's great. Mm. Well, not all year every game, but you know what I'm saying. I'm tipping Geelong to win. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm tipping them to win comfortably too, but I can also see this game being a really, 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 really close one. I'm tipping five to six goals. I just think Brisbane, it's really difficult to play three games in a row of that high octane, high level standard of football that Brisbane's been playing. Um, and, being, and being a massive underdog too. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think for me, Geelong are too good to not make the grand final this year. Um, I'm tipping the Cats to win. Now, we will touch upon the other game because as a Swans supporter, I'm not going to not let us do that. Sydney versus Collingwood at the SCG. Um, I want to ask you your thoughts on, on, on this game. For Swans and Collingwood, we'll just get a, a tip. What do you think is going to happen in this one? Well, hopefully similar as last time. Collingwood um, tried their chaos usually. They probably thought they are going to get away with it again, but... Mm. Happened up in Sydney because they're um, a better side than the sides they've been beating. So um, I can't see, well, I don't know. How can you say you can't see Collingwood winning? Um, you, I think the Swans are too strong up there. I think it's um, Collingwood will try again, but uh, Sydney just a bit too good for their chaotic last quarter style and they can hold, they like Geelong, Sydney, they'll hop, they can hold that. So I'm probably tipping a Sydney Geelong grand final. Oh, God, scares mm. me. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I don't, yeah, I don't. What do you think about Colin Sydney? I think, well, it's interesting to hear Craig McRae talking about trying to mimic the size of the SCG um, at training this week with, you know, training cones and whatnot, because they really struggled with that. Um, they really struggled on the shorter dimensions. You know, they love the open expanses of the MCG. Um, how well they've learned from that, I think is going to be the key to this game. Another key player who did not play for Collingwood round 22 was Jordan Degoe. Degoe, yeah. Has yes. had an amazing final series so far, played brilliantly against you guys, played even better against Fremantle. And that, for me, I think is the key for Collingwood, how they deal with the dimensions of the SCG and Jordan Degoe. As for the Swans, I mean, Sydney are riding a seven-game winning streak into this. They beat Collingwood only a month ago. So they know they know very recently how to best Collingwood. And they 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 they're on such a hot streak that I can't well I can see, but I, I'm tipping Sydney to win. Yes, I can't see them losing really. Um I am also tipping a Geelong Sydney grand final. I think this game will be really close anywhere from one to three goals. Uh should be a ripper. Yeah, I reckon it won't be a massive margin. No, no. Sydney aren't high scorers either, are they really? Like, not a massively high scoring team. No. 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 But their defense is suffocating the Swans. Um, I want to ask you just quickly prediction Brownwell. It's on Sunday night, was on Monday night, but got moved backwards 24 hours 
um, for the Queen's, uh, for the Queen's uh, Memorial. So I want to ask you, Brownlow tip. Bloody hell, God, you got me thinking there. Springing this one on you? Yeah, you have sprung it on me. I actually don't. I can't answer that. Mm. To be honest, um, I don't watch a lot. Of, do you know why? Because I don't watch a lot of other games. I don't. Um, I love Geelong and I love watching a bit of footy, but I'm not. Uh, I don't sit and watch game after game after game. So I don't really know who's been playing fantastically all year, mm. so I can't. Fair enough. Fair enough. For me, for me, Took Miller, uh, Gold Coast um, co-captain, an incredible player, um, and the Suns have actually done well enough, and I think enough games this year for him to for him to potentially win it. I think. Oliver and Petrarca were still votes off of each other. I think Cripps, mm. the form that Carlton were in the last month, I think will cost Cripps. Um, I think Bontempelli at the Dogs, the Dogs haven't been playing good enough football, and I think Bontempelli's been playing good enough football to win it. I think I think Took Miller will win. It'll be close. Really, Took Miller. So you must watch a lot of footy, do you? I love my football. Live, live, live and breathe it. Um, but yeah, Took Miller, I think he's he's been one of the best players in the competition for the last two or three years. Got really close last year to, to yeah. winning it. Um, and I th- and that was when Gold Coast were really, really terrible. They're a lot better this year. That's why I think he's gonna win it. Yeah. No, oh, well, I'll be watching, I'll be watching um with Bader Breath to see whether you're accurate. <laughs> I'll take your word but I don't watch the other players much, no. So I wouldn't know. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Troy West Catman, thank you very much for being on this podcast. Really appreciate it. Best of luck for Friday night. Um, hope it's a good game for your sake. I hope the Cats win. Ooh, same with me. Now, same, same to you. Hope the Swannies win. Hope to see you in the grand final somewhere around the ground <laughs> next week. <laughs> should be um, should be interesting this weekend anyways, whoever wins. I reckon it takes years off your life. Um, September. Oh. It really does. It really does. All your North Melbourne supporters must be uh, must be quite youthful. Uh... <laughs> yeah, you're right there. There is something. There is a certain um, relief when you're a, a below eight side. It's just mm-hmm. thinking, oh, well, you will be right. Now you don't have to put up with all that. You can watch the games with neutral, um, a neutral stance. It's actually nice to watch games neutrally, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Except yeah. of course, there's Collingwood. Uh, is playing because there's never any neutral position when Collingwood are playing. Um, <laughs> but thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod. Join me next week uh, with the co-host as we will review the prelim finals and preview the big dance. Grand finals almost here. So excited. Until then, hasta la vista. Hasta la vista.